0: We're super excited to announce the launch of our podcast, The Design Driven Life, sponsored by Wealth at Human. I talk with experts in an upbeat, informational series of conversations. Join us and listen to seasoned entrepreneurs, leaders, and wellness gurus, as they share their wealth of knowledge on important topics like money, fear, anxiety, self-trust, or lack thereof, and how to spot opportunities amongst life's chaos. Gain the tools and inspiration it takes to shift your mindset so you can create the world that you want to live in. Hi, my name is Wendy Yates, and today I'm speaking with Liz Rooney. Liz Rooney is the founder of Dove Missions, located in Puerto Plata, Dominican Republic. In 2002, Liz founded Dove Missions USA as a volunteerism organization. Liz is a connector, guiding volunteers in a transforming life experience while building relationships and serving the poor. She started Dove's Dominican Republic Youth Development Center in 2007 to help the street children there. Liz is responsible for the organization's consistent achievement of its mission and financial objectives and is accountable for overseeing operations. How did you realize that what you wanted to do or what your you know, I always talk about it being my life's purpose. Like what is my purpose?
1: Yeah. You know, I, for years growing up, I was always doing, you know, a 10 years old doing a fundraiser for MS and we'd have all the kids in a carnival in the backyard and we would do the little fishing thing and buy a ticket. And I was a fortune teller at one of the booths. And so I always had kind of this feeling. And I think I I definitely have to credit my mom and dad for that. They were always in the community, always helping out, always doing their part. And um, I really came from um, the example of that. I, I really feel like my parents were really instrumental in just as a second nature giving back, you know, and if I'm not giving back, I just kind of feel like I'm searching for a way to give back because, yeah. <laughs> you know, I think they had the key back then. Is a life in service to others, you find yourself, you know. That's so true. So, I'd gotten, I'd moved back to Minnesota from Arizona and I got married. And I was, a, I had been a single mom up until I was, he was about eight years old. And I got married and it was, a, it was a disaster. <laughs> the marriage was, I got married really for my son to have a father figure in his life. And and he had a lot of issues and uh, medical problems and stuff too. So it was probably four years into our marriage and I was just wanted to go somewhere, do something. I was youth group director at my son's church and just for one year and we had done everything locally here. We'd, you know, um, Mary Jo Copeland's cheering and caring hands. We'd done this uh, St. Vincent de Paul f- outreach for shoe ministry and every time I tried to get a peer-to-peer um, connection for my youth here, um, there was just such a sense of we're the haves and they're the have-nots, and we couldn't bridge that gap of uh, the entitlement and resentment and then you know the willingness to give and then not have it reciprocated, not having that santa claus syndrome where where you know you just see somebody pouring, you give them stuff and you feel really good but you've really demeaned them you know right. and dishonored um, their spirit in this world their their purpose in this world too it's a, it's a, so i wanted to bridge that gap and just was searching searching for the answer to that and i had bought on ebay this travel voucher when ebay it was the first year ebay came out in 2002 <laughs> <laughs> I bought a travel voucher, three hundred dollars, Grand Bahama Island for or Freeport or something, you know, for three days, four nights. It was a fluke, and I was making reservations, and making reservations. Finally, the week of, they were like, "We, can't, I'm sorry, there's everything's booked, and your voucher's no good." And I was dev- devastated because oh, no. my husband and I both had taken off work. I was a hairdresser at the time. My husband worked was woodworker at a furniture store. And I called the travel agency here and they said, please get me anywhere war- warm. And she said, it's spring break week. There isn't a place I can even think of to get you, you know? And then she's like, she called me back. She's like, you know, there's this little place on the North coast of Dominican Republic called Porta Plata. It's an old, old tourist town And this hotel like a one and a half star. And, but it's all inclusive and I can get you in. I was like, we're in. I'm taking this vacation. (laughs) And uh, got there and researched a little bit. And that was when online was like dial up back then. I mean, Mm -hmm. it was not that great. And I found this homeless children's vocational school called integration juvenil. And it was taking young kids off the streets into school. And then teaching them a trade after. And I thought, oh my gosh. And the trades were woodworking and hairdressing, if you can imagine.
0: Wow.
1: Oh, yeah. What a perfect match. <laughs> Thank you. So I got all my coworkers. He got all his coworkers. We had, it was Ryanair, so we could do a direct flight back then. And there was no restriction on, on how many bags. Gosh, I wish it was that way again, huh?
0: Right. And
1: so I had duffel bags full of hair dryers and curling errands and combs and he had you know hammers and saws and things <laughs> you could
0: never you, you can't never travel breathe. with that now <laughs> no, no no
1: but you know it was just one of those perfect storm situations for us so we got there in this little teeny hotel room we have six humongous bags we can't even put on the ground around so we're i called the manager and i said man can you bring me to this place because I don't know what we're going to do. We just don't have any room on our bed to sleep. even. so he brought us down. It was within walking distance. And, um, but he took us in the car because we had all the bags and I met this social worker and she said, Oh my gosh, if you, and she started telling me stories about these beautiful nine, 10, 11, 12 year old girls that I was working with doing hairdressing stuff. Um, Broke my heart. You know, of being incest and rape and, you know, um just the ability to get something to eat and the way women are so, so much a commodity down there. You know, they're getting married at 14, 15 and just because they, and then I was introduced there was orphanages in town too, but they didn't have any boy orphanages. If you're a boy, it's like jackpot. If you're poor, you can get them out at five, six and seven panhandling or shining shoes or something. But the girls, if there's a one girl in the house, she can do the cooking and cleaning. If there's um, more than one, it's another mouth to feed.
0: So you're in the Dominican. You're finding out about all these needs and how you guys can help. And so you finish your trip and you come home. And then what happens?
1: Well, it was my first day there. I got involved and I bought a timeshare at the hotel. I thought I'm bringing my youth group here. You know, we're going to figure this out. So I went to, it's predominantly Catholic there. So I went to the bishop in town and said, listen, I, I want to serve. I want to bring these youth here. I mean, there were tweeners back then too. I mean, they, you know, take them out of the country. That was crazy. My son was 11 at the time. And I said, I want to bring these kids. I want to help at your orphanages, your handicapped children's homes. We'll paint, we'll scrub, we'll do whatever. I just want them to see and burst that bubble you know, if you start young and, and like, I had great role models, but, um, I never left the country or anything like that. And, and in America, we just have this bubble and it's Mm -hmm. so lacking in gratitude and, um, thankfulness of having choices and opportunity. And boy, I, the gaming started coming out back then, the Nintendo and playstations and, and I, I was like, no, they need to get out in the country with kids their own age and have an experience and see how grateful these people were. I mean, I don't know about you, but my first experience in the Dominican Republic that day, I knew I wanted to come back and help and do, there was so much opportunity Same, to do so much, any little like hairdressing, who knew hairdressing could be something to give back. I came back from that trip. I was no longer youth group, group director at that, that church. And so many people were moved by our stories and, and the work that we did down there. And um, I had individuals contact me, families that wanted to go out down on vacation, have me guide them through a volunteer experience. And so I became my 501c3 in 2004. I finally got approved. And I, for five years, was taking volunteer trips, much like you do. Um, finding your, your, it's kind of a spiritual journey that you go on and kind of guiding people through that. Um, and, and sorting through the isms of why is it like that? And the horror and guilt and shame people feel when they first are exposed to garbage filled beaches and little shacks that people are living in with no running water and no electricity and, and, uh, seeing naked little babies running through sewage water and just the horror of, um. and, 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 trying to explain to them, you know, we have the luxury of having been born in a country that has a government that helps and protects us because we could have been born here, but they exactly, exactly. It has nothing to do with we're better than them. We're all the same. We all could have been born here. This could be our life journey. Every time I went there, my heart would just break. I wanted to be there so bad. I wanted to make a bigger impact. I wanted to do something, but I just didn't know what. And if you're not there, you're the haves, you know, and you come down, you bring lots of stuff pretty soon. The kids were saying, you know, Oh, Jenny from that last group, you know, she said she'd buy me a pair of Michael Jordans. I'm a size nine. I'm not, I'm like, what, what, What? you know what, (laughs) this isn't what I, I signed up for. So we made a decision to, especially because of this pedophilia ring issue, um, I was devastated. I mean, these are kids that I consider my own sons because my son's relationship with them. 2007 was my last year of volunteerism, uh, kind of a volunteering mm-hmm. group uh, for Dove. And um, I did nine trips in one year. And if you can imagine, my hair business just tanked <laughs>
0: Right. And so, so you're taking on your nine trips in that year, you're taking people and that's when you're going thinking, we're going to bring them all these things. This is going to help them. And that was, that's a lot of people in a year coming, you know, helping in a way that really was actually hurting. Right. Well,
1: it was changing the volunteers' lives immensely. Right. But then I started feeling like it was when we went into the barrios, if we're working with organized organizations, that was great. But if we weren't, that freelancing thing, you know, giving out shoes and not knowing where they're going and knowing mm-hmm. they're just going to sell them anyway. Or, you know, one lady wonder, I want to buy this boy a bike. I'm like, are you out of your mind? Because you're going to take this bike and he's going to get beat up or killed on the way home. Or if he makes it home, it's going to be inside of his house and they're going to rob their whole family. You know? yeah
0: it's so it's so um, it 's so eye opening when you actually start paying attention and yes. that 's like sort of our intention is not to go with a lot of things but to go with um, a a heart and a what is possible like and what what are the needs without assuming, I think what the haves as you refer to it as we assume that everything we have is what everybody else wants because, because we are, you know, in a society of collecting things instead of sharing an experience. And so that's sort of our whole goal, but I love this story. I love your journey. So please continue to tell me more.
1: (laughs) Oh, Oh, so, um, it was 2007. Like I said, nine trips in one year, start of a divorce. Um, my son's in, a senior in high school, super sharp kid at the housing crisis. I was, it was like I had all these reasons holding me back. I I can't go. I can't go. And then finally I just said, um, when the, we found out about this pedophilia ring, I thought, you know, I'm called to go there and do something. I don't want to make any more of these horrible mistakes I've been making along the way. I feel like, um, the impact has to be greater. These kids have to have opportunity. They have to have a choice. They got to get into school, even if they don't want to. So I went down, no money, going through a divorce, at literally plastic chairs in a house uh, apartment um, and a blow up mattress on the ground. Seriously. And so these street boys would come to my house, and so you
0: moved there. I moved so that's there. when you moved. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Yeah, I kind of lost everything. My son was in a really good place. I'm from a big, loving family. And there was lots of love and support here for him. I moved there. And for the first six months, I just went to people's houses, listened to their stories. The street boys would come back to my place. They saw I didn't have anything. All of a sudden, they're like, what the heck are you doing here? <laughs> You're, you know, why would you leave America? We're all trying to get to America. They just couldn't wrap their head around what am I doing here? Walking the streets of these barrios, trying to figure out how I can make the biggest, deepest impact to the moms. I said, I need your help. I need. I, I'll put these kids in school. School's free, but they need a uniform. All these pe- people can sponsor them. Right? That have come before. They all know them. They all love these kids. I can easily get them sponsored for a uniform. Get them into school. Sponsor forty dollars a month to supplement your child's income. On, on the streets, I'll buy $40 worth of food at the end of the month. But the here's the stipulation. They got to come three days a week to learn their English because you need a repetition. School's only half a day. Go to school in the morning, come in the afternoon, go in the afternoon to school, come to the club in the morning and learn English. Number two, they have to stay in school. I'll buy the uniforms. I'm checking with their teachers. They're not dropping out and selling the uniforms. They got to stay in school. They got to come learn some English, but you moms, you have to come. You have to make sandwiches. You have to break up fights. You have to teach me the culture, you know, teach me. What do you do when you're faced with certain situations? So I can understand what are the, not the wants, but what are the real needs you face in your community? So I did that for about four months, had all the kids sponsored right away and then started posting stories about what I was doing.
0: And the sponsorships came from people that had traveled with you before, so they kind of knew your story and had already done some giving with you and had been right. there, understood sort of what your mission was becoming. Yes,
1: yeah. but I hadn't had a host community. I was strictly a volunteer organization. I would only raise enough to maybe buy a washer and dryer for a handicapped children's home and then pay my expenses as well. Right. But you know, it was never a, a profit-making sure. thing, a non-profit, obviously, I always t- tell people when they come and they they meet me because i I've lived there for fourteen years, and I always say, "How did you do this?" And I was like, "You know things with the right intention mm-hmm. and and attention to that pure heartfelt intention you have all the answers inside of you. I think you'd have do, done the same exact thing I would have. Being in my circumstances, they're like, oh no, I could never give up this. I could never give up my job or, you know, you just didn't. And I said, you know, but I had a really good life. I fulfilled so many of the dreams that I wanted to that this just seemed like the ne- next right thing to do. And I, I got a lot of flack from a lot of people like, oh, I'm going through a midlife crisis. And, you know, people were you know, saying I was a horrible parent. I left my son there and went through the divorce. And I was like, man, you know, you don't know. Unless exactly. you walk into somebody else's shoes. I was in a horrible abusive relationship. That was the only place I, I sought solace and felt joy and felt purposeful was in the Dominican Republic. I wasn't feeling the love here too. When I moved there and I would come back at first, it was pretty rough on my family and, and um, people that kind of judged me and, and thought I was crazy.
0: When people don't understand what you're doing, they make assumptions and create because they can't they can't get it. Like, you know, and so it doesn't matter. Like you said, I think what you said was so perfect about when your heart is where your heart is and you're following that and you, you know, I, I call up my purpose. Like when I just stay true to my purpose, literally nothing else matters. Like no one can say anything to me. Like I don't care. I don't care what you say, I don't care what you think. My purpose is greater than your opinion or your lack of ability to understand. And, and why, did, why do people care so much about what you're doing if they're not involved with it? There's nothing that could be greater than going somewhere else that's not where you are and really immersing yourself in the culture.
1: My dream from the first day I set foot in that country and I was teaching girls hairdressing and I saw how much that empowered them. They could braid hair on the beach. They could work at a salon. Every corner, Dominican women are beautiful looking and they take very good care of themselves. That's a job opportunity. I thought that's a skill set. I would love to be able to teach down here. Well, we have applied for a grant with the Rotary and raised $60,000 to outfit our center because we have a beautiful, huge building to be a vocational training center and job placement center. And throughout the years, we've always been rock solid for 10 years of taking the six to 11 year old kids, teaching them English, getting them off the streets, keeping them in school. We've got 13 kids in private school. Um, All just trying to find the brightest and, and, and most passionate kids for certain things and we've sponsored them you know to work at a, a do apprentice program in you know a hotel and learn how to be a prep cook and learn how to be a mechanic and learn how you know we've supported individual teenagers, but you know, we never had anything substantial. We spent 10 years really building these children up um, from the six- to 11-year-old. And then we just didn't have the funds or the opportunity to do a vocational training center. And the government has a a thing called InfoTech and they have over a hundred different classes for um, that, that are free to very poor, you know, from massage to physical therapy. You can be a counselor, you can do nursing, you can do all kinds of different things. And the government will, will provide the teachers. They have a facility. We were, actually walked through by InfoTech and they said, Oh yeah, your, your center is perfect. We'll bring the teachers in. We'll bring the supplies in. And we thought, Oh my gosh, this is awesome. You know, our dream come true. We finally get our building built. We're going to do this vocational training center and the kids have to be 16 or older and you have to have 25 of them committed to um, like five days a week during their school times. It was an impossible thing. We couldn't, yeah. we, and I was heartbroken. So we tried to do beauty school on the weekends and, you know, and, and, and tried different, you know, job training with our older kids. So we did get um, a couple of visas for um, some to come to America and uh, work on a farm. For a while not work but just observe on a farm on you know how you know farming is and and you know what instead of city life what it's like to to hang out there for a while we've got a a girl we put through um private school straight A. she's now living in canada um it was through COVID she was going back to go to university to become a doctor um then COVID hit, and and so she we we've got kids that are not so successful right now. Everything's closed down in Puerto Plata with COVID. So our dream is to this fall raise $150,000 to sustain. If we get this grant in um, to get the equipment in the computer lab, the garden project, the job training center, the English professional English classes um, to hire the teachers and, and pay the, you know, the supplies and everything that we'll need. So we can raise up this, this teenage generation and stop that teen pregnancies that are happening And the, the girls already into prostitution. The kids are getting into drugs. It's really, really hard to keep tweeners into uh, adulthood engaged and not go off the temptation of, you know, being in drugs. You can make so much money and, right prostitution the same. So we're facing that that same obstacle. Um, and so this this was our plan, and it's, it's a beautiful plan.
0: How can, in the meantime, people find out about Dev Youth Development and where's the best way to get involved to find out what the, the greatest needs are to help um, continue to build on your mission and vision?
1: There's so many ways to get involved. Um, I have board members that are top of their um, – professionalism careers in working with nonprofits and we've got a strategic planning uh, opportunity. Our board, I'm, I'm sitting on the shoulders of giants, honestly, and we all get along so beautifully. There's committees, there's the, you know, media committee and volunteer committee and youth center committee of all people from around the world um, that are on these committees and just help us be better in certain areas um, there's, you know, one-time donors that when we have like the uniform drive, or we have um, we had flooding a couple years ago, and it was like, please send us flood relief. We're now the community center for in the flood relief center. We need, you know, beds and towels and this and that. And people just did one-time donations or a one-time need. But what we're really looking for now is. Um, so for our planning for, we have a grandiose dream and it, it, it's right at our fingertips. It was so difficult to just get to the point where we actually had our own building mm-hmm. and now it's, it, it's, it's, it's needing to go to that next level. So we've got a whole organizational, you know, we're redoing an organization here, um, and making us bigger and better. So we need people who want to sponsor kids. That's great. Or sponsor a child into, into, um, private school, the really bright ones that we know are going to be successful. We're going to job um, in our job training program and youth ambassador program, help them to be successful adults and no matter what they choose to do with their life. um, And our sustainer circle, there's people that, you know, they donate $50 a month. They donate $500 a month. We have all different levels we're looking for recurring donors, people that are willing to sustain us. So now that our volunteer program has pretty much collapsed with COVID, we're looking for that constant generation of funds that we can rely on, that we can budget, that we can plan for our future and forecast um, to make sure these programs are sustainable and and, and fruitful and um, doable. Okay.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so that's through the DoveYouthDevelopment.org. That's yes. the website, correct?
1: It's the Make a Difference page. And it says, do you want to have a bigger impact? And there's all different ways you can volunteer. You can pass by the club. You can drop off donations if you're in the country. You can spend a day with us. There's um, Or join a committee. and uh, Or you know, make a pledge to just donate monthly to a general um cause that helps pay the lights and teachers and, you know, all the other things that people don't don't mind. They know you need to be successful. Yeah, you sponsor the child, that money goes to the food bag. You sponsor, you know, a a class or a program, it goes to that program. Um, We don't really have that opportunity quite yet. So right now, the unglamorous things are to just support us. Yes, yes, (laughs) absolutely.
0: Well, thank you. I mean, it's, I've, I've really enjoyed hearing your journey to get to where you are and just what you're doing and your big goals for 2021. And, um, you're so inspiring and I'm so just grateful that I got to share this time with you and that we get to put this out there and another platform where more people can, can hear, you know, what you're doing and what the needs are and, um, I just thank you so much for your time.
1: Oh, Bless you. I'm so grateful to finally see your face and, uh, connect the dots for me. It was a privilege to be on, on today. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. You can find out
0: more about Liz and her work at doveyouthdevelopment.org or email executive director at doveyouthdevelopment.org. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of The Design Driven Life. If you like what you heard, make sure to rate and review our podcast. And don't forget to subscribe for automatic delivery of new episodes.